Well, good morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. Amen. It is a joy and it's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. I was thinking back and the last time I was with you as far as ever preaching at this church was I came and gave the charge to the candidates, Dennis and Tim, when they had their ordination service. And that was a special joy for my wife and I, being that my own son was one of them. Now, I want to share something right off the bat. You have another Pastor Dave this morning. He's just not the nice-looking, slender one. <laughs> Somebody was teasing me about Tim, and I said, well, this is what he's going to look like when he's 67 years old. <laughs> I, I tease him about that sometimes. And uh, by the way, he texted me early this morning and said, Dad, I'm praying for you. I'm usually the one texting him saying, I'm praying for you. And uh, as Jimmy said, they hope to be there around noon or 12.30. It sounded like things went well yesterday. It sounded like things so far are going well. And continue to pray for them as they make their travels there. I pastored for seven years as a youth pastor at First Baptist Church in Brooklyn, not New York, but Brooklyn, Michigan. And so when Jimmy was sharing, I'll just share that little bit. doesn't have anything to do with where we're at, but to let you know a little bit, I pastored there from 1980, or youth pastored there from 1980 to 87. And then in March of 87, Lansing Avenue Baptist Church in Jackson, Michigan, asked if I would come and be their pastor. And lo and behold, I never realized I'd be there 28 years. So my 35 years of ministry were only between two churches. And that's not always the case with 35 years of ministry. But that's how the Lord had it for us. Matter of fact, when I was pastoring at Lansing Avenue Baptist Church, my son Tim at one point with Tracy, when they lived down in the Jackson area, were youth leaders with our teenagers. You think that had anything to do with where he's at now? He certainly got some experience. Uh, we remember those precious years going up to Scroon Lake, New York, as Tim was also there. And I had a daughter. I have three children. Tim's the oldest, then a girl, Teresa, then our youngest is Dan. Both Tim and Teresa went to Word of Life Bible Institute, and we were always so grateful to go up there. Uh, Tim said, I'm looking so forward for Pastor Dave to see it up there because I know as I sit here and listen to his messages, he likes to hike and walk and do those things. And uh, there's plenty of beauty. Any of you that have been there know that up there and plenty of places to go to be able to do that type thing up there. So continue to pray for them. Folks, let me say this. I guess part of it comes because of a pastor's heart. But continue to pray for your pastor and his family. Also your pastoral staff with Dennis and Tim. That always meant so much to me when they come up and say, Pastor and my wife Linda, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. We still hear from many of them that send cards or once in a while give a call and say, Pastor, I've been praying. I went through some health difficulties and I had to ask the Lord, is that because I retired, Lord, and I shouldn't have. Well, you never retire from the Lord. You may be tired, but you don't ever retire from the Lord. Right. But it's still a joy to know that they still say, 
Pastor, we're praying for you and Linda. You're so blessed with the man that you have. And he was God's man for you at this specific time. Keep those prayers up. I know he'll appreciate it. Before we go into our uh, message this morning, you can take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians chapter 3. And the title of my message this morning is Living a Focused Life. Living a Focused Life. And before we begin, I'm going to ask that we would unite our hearts together in prayer. Would you please pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord today. Lord, may we never take that precious freedom for granted and a privilege. There are some, Lord, that are in care facilities, down ill, that desire to be here, but can't. So, Lord, help us to be faithful in remembering this great privilege. And where those that can't come in on a regular basis, may we be faithful to call on them and to uphold them in prayer. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I'm merely the messenger. It's your word. May it penetrate the heart. May we inwardly digest it. May it become a living, intricate part of us. In your precious name, we pray. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, and we'll go through verse 16. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 10 through 16. Please follow along in the word of God as I read that. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto these things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Amen. The Apostle Paul was a man who his life was changed, as you know, on the Damascus Road. How many of you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amen. Did you know then that you had a Damascus Road change? Oh, it may have not been the very same way Paul's was on that day, but you've been changed. You've been quickened. Ephesians remind us, quickened means to be made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. At age 23, I became alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. You figure it out. I'm 67 years old now. So the Lord has given me these precious years to talk about him, to serve him, and to rejoice 
in the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of you will say, well, I'm going to go out and bask in the sunshine. Well, I hope we remember most important to bask in the Lord and in his holy word. Amen? It's the word that changes things. You see, we're just the messengers. But if we give the word, that's what affects and changes lives to people. But as Paul was sharing, there was a man named Pephroditus, get that name out, who took a love gift from the Philippian church to the Apostle Paul. Paul was so grateful for what the Philippian church did. And so, as he shares here, I won't be able to go into all of that this morning, but Paul eventually has Epaphroditus coming back, and he really started sharing this whole book of Philippians with the intent of giving his thanks and joy to the people that had supported him in this monetary gift, but also faithfully in prayer. I stopped on purpose because they often go hand in hand. Many of you help support this church who supports missionaries. Amen? Amen. We don't just stop with the money that we give, do we? You lift them up in prayer. You uphold them in prayer. What a joy to be an intercessory prayer warrior. That means praying on the behalf of others. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I'm glad to know that people are praying for us. We enjoy praying for you. We enjoy praying for your staff. I'm still learning people, and I'll say to my son, Tim, Tim, I bumped into this one, or I bumped into that one, and, and, and they told me their name, and he said, oh yeah, Dad, that, that's this one, and he smiles, and that's that one, and he seems to be glad that we're getting to know more and more of you. And then I remember on the bike trip that it was you and Wes were the two that Linda and I prayed for. We faithfully did that every morning during that time. And many of you were praying for others. Keep on praying. It's the power of prayer that changes things. It's the power of prayer that changes things. But Paul, as he was writing to give thanks, also wanted the people to be minded of things he had shared with them, and to be careful. Pastor Dave has been doing such an excellent job and study in Deceived in Second Peter. Most of the Sundays we've been able to be here, my wife and I, sometimes we've had to miss occasionally, but I've so enjoyed that message. And he's still got more to go. Because if ever there's someone who will take us off of our focus of centering on Jesus Christ, who is it? Satan. He'll draw you off every time. Dave, Pastor Dave referred last week also to a little bit in Genesis. And he went back to the fall for just a moment as he was sharing with us in Second Peter. And one of the things I often told our people when we came to Genesis in the fall and the fall that occurred was something that we all need to watch for. And I would tell it this way so they could remember it with the four 
letters L. First of all, we remember that Eve was listening, the first one, to the wrong source. Who did she listen to? The serpent. How many remember that? She listened to the serpent. That was the wrong source. So she listened to that which was wrong. And then she did something else. She looked upon that tree, didn't she? She looked upon that tree and you say, well, it was beautiful, it was good, but God said of that one tree she wasn't to partake of, was she? So she listened and she looked upon that tree. When we're looking at what we shouldn't be looking at, often what leads next is she lusted. She listened to the wrong source. She was looking at that which she shouldn't and focusing on that. And then she lusted after that which she shouldn't have. And then the final one is the actual act of sin she laid hold of that fruit. Now remember that series, because the devil likes to lead you down that path. She listened, she looked, then she lusted, and then she laid hold and committed the act of sin. Does that sound like Satan's work? Yes. Is he still doing that today? Yes. He is. So we have to be ever so careful to those steps to sin. But Paul starts talking about living a focused life. Now you see the picture of the camera. What do you do when you're going to take a picture with the camera? You something in. What do we call it? Yeah, you focus in. You focus in. I've developed through the last year some tremors. If you see me shaking, it's not that I'm that nervous. I just have tremors. And my grandkids will say, Grandpa, why do you shake so much? Or when I carry the plate with my silverware on it to the sink after eating, you hear that rattling. And so in doing that, I have to stay a bit focused with what I'm doing, with what I'm carrying. Sometimes signing my name can even get a little bit difficult. But I have to stay focused. But more importantly, Paul wants us to stay focused in our spiritual life. Paul said in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Not a hundred things. Not a dozen things. Paul put all of his energy in one thing and one person. The person is the Lord Jesus Christ. The thing is in verse 14. I press toward the mark for the what? The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Came across an old saying from a German proverb. How many of you are German? Well, our name Oberst means Colonel in German. But this is an old German proverb. He who begins too much 
will accomplish little. Does that make any sense? He who accomplishes too much will accomplish little. Maybe you have trouble from time to time, if you're honest, staying focused on the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know he sure spoke to my heart and life with the message that the Lord gave me. I want to say something, folks. The world is full of allurements. Not only back for Eve, listening, looking, lusting, and laying hold, but that's going right on today. The world will take your focus off of the Lord Jesus Christ if we are not careful. Would you say a resounding amen? amen. We have to be honest with the Lord at all times and with ourselves. So the first thing we noticed about Paul is that I only got three points. I won't keep you real long. There was a professor that told us that we're studying for ministry. Men, I want you to remember this. The mind can only comprehend as much as the hind end can endure. <laughs> I've often, when I spoke, said, when I see you shifting from leg to leg and crossing and kind of getting antsy, well, I know I went longer than the hind end could endure. <laughs> Paul, first of all, my first point is, Paul focused on a person. Let's go back to verses 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. To Paul, knowing Christ meant more than knowing about him. Before I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I mentioned at the age of 23, I had heard a lot and knew the things that I had heard about the Lord, but I did not know him in an intimate, per personal relationship. Until that day by faith, as the gospel was preached, I had put it off two times in the church to receive Christ. And I could tell that the Spirit of God, as I look back, was really nudging me. And unfortunately, I was rejecting that to go to Christ. My feeling was, well, I've been in the church since I've been pretty well a youngster. I've done good things. I try to stay on track. None of that saves us this. Then there was that day by faith that I recognized as the word of God went forward that morning that I needed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I came to know him as that Lord and Savior. Paul already enjoyed that special relationship with Jesus Christ. But he longed for a deeper and richer knowledge. That's what's so wonderful in the Christian life. 
that we continue to press on and to study and to pray and to be in the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask you a blunt question as I've asked myself. How many times have we seen people come to Christ and start out of the running block with a sprint? I mean you couldn't even get to them. They're so busy telling people about Jesus Christ, telling people they came to Christ, being excited in their life about the things of Christ. And as they continue that sprint, it gets down to a job, sometimes a walk, and sometimes just sitting down against the tree. Where are you at? Where are you at in your focus with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you as focused on him as you were in the day that you came to Jesus Christ? Would the portrait book of your life show that you're still in love with Jesus? You're still running the race for Jesus. You're telling others about Jesus Christ. You're praying for others. You're getting involved and staying involved in the work for Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to know everything that he could about Christ. He wanted to know the power of this resurrection. He wanted to know this power and strength for a Christian through the resurrection of the Lord. In Galatians 2.20, says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Pardon me, in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Beloved, when you have a task to do that God has called you to do, you will not be able to do it in your own strength. Most often, we fail and fall most miserably when we do it in our own strength. But when we allow the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit to enable us, it's a whole different story. It's a joy to be spirit-led and to be a follower and see what the Spirit of God can do in and through us as individuals, individually and collectively. Remember Paul's writing to the church. The church isn't the brick and the wood and the mortar. I've never seen a church itself go out and do witnessing. Never seen the church go out serving. I'm talking about the physical building. But the church is comprised of the what? Believers. They're the ones that get out. They're the ones that are telling others. They're the ones that are showing Jesus Christ. You are a lighthouse wherever God places you concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and collectively as a family at Heritage Baptist Church. We don't work alone. We work together. Paul was training Timothy and Titus 
that they would go out, that they would focus on Jesus, that they would focus on those things which were spiritual to pass those things on as Paul was to them. That's called discipling. Pastor Dave talked a little bit about that the other week, and he did on Wednesday night too, down in the prayer meeting room. How good are you at discipling? How focused are you on discipling? Paul focused on a person, and that person was the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, as I said earlier, this world will try to get you to focus on everything and anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. You watch the news, do you hear much about the Lord Jesus Christ? Occasionally somebody will give a comment concerning Christ. And once in a while a positive one. Because they truly probably are a Christian. But the news will focus on this world and people of this world. Not the person of Jesus Christ. Paul focused on a person and that person was the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition, Paul says in verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul wanted to know the fellowship of his sufferings also. Fellowship means sharing in joint participation. Paul felt you really couldn't know Christ fully unless you shared in his suffering. Galatians 6, 17. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest, that means to be made known in our body. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 4, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our moral flesh. I'm going to say something that I used to tell our people at Lansing Avenue Baptist Church. I'm sorry, folks, but we really don't know what suffering is where we're at for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I went to hand out a tract and somebody threw it on the ground. Pastor, I went to say something about the Lord and they turned their head and walked away. Pastor, I tried to share with someone, and they looked at me and said, that might be okay for you, but it's not good for me. Now, folks, is that suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ? A little bit louder. But did you know that not only in Bible times, but today, on this day and this year, there are people in various areas even many missionaries that still are sharing Christ and suffering physically for what they're doing. Don't lose track of that. 
often when we pray in the morning, one of the prayers I pray, and I mean it seriously, is we pray for missionaries and we pray for the men and women in the armed services, amongst other things. And I often say, and Lord, many of those missionaries and men and women in the armed service are in harm's what? way. Suffering for the cause of Christ. Paul came to understand more clearly what the Lord had suffered for him. He says in verse 10 again, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto death. Paul concluded his thought with those words, conformable unto his death. Paul, with the Lord's help, was dying to himself, as we read in Galatians 2.20. Paul's desire to know Christ more fully had at least four facets. Number one, a personal experience that I might know him. Number two, a powerful experience, the power of his resurrection. Number three, a painful experience, the fellowship of his suffering. And then number four, a practical experience, being formable to his death. Paul also looked forward to knowing Christ in his next life, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I'd like you to take your Bibles and be reminded about something when Paul says suffering for the cause of Christ. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 11. Verses 24 through 28 of 2 Corinthians 11, Paul speaking here. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, and perils by mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Did Paul know what it was to even suffer physically for the cause of Jesus Christ? 
Paul was once in his life, as you know, railing on Christians, sending them even to places to their death. And then he had that Damascus Road conversion in the book of Acts, and it's changed his life. And I said to any of you that are born again, you've had the Damascus Road conversion. Might have not been the same exact way at Paul's, but you've been changed. You've been quickened. That means made alive spiritually. But are you keeping your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? The second thing about Paul, that I said I only have three points for you, Paul focused on a prize. Verses 12 through 14 again. Not as though I had already attained either already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and preaching forth unto those things that are before, or I should say reaching forth unto those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Regarding the present, humility was needed, and Paul recognized that. He says, not as though I've already attained. You and I are not totally, that word in the Bible, perfect, generally always means complete. We are not complete yet till we reach what? Glory. May I say something to you with respect? You're still a progress in work. Humility, as though I have attained. Paul was still aiming to have the full knowledge of Christ. And that will come at our resurrection. He wanted to keep growing. He wanted to keep expanding for the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's your focus concerning that? Where's your focus concerning that? To keep growing in Christ? That babes desire the sincere what of the word? Milk of the word. We need to go forward. Get off, eventually a baby doesn't melt and goes on to the more solid things in life. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Regarding the past, Paul recognized that there needed to be forgiveness. How did he cope? How did Paul cope with not being all he could be? Look at verse 13. Philippians 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
Paul counted his past success <coughs> as what? Dumb. Pretty hard word, isn't it? All those things are but dumb. He wanted to move from the past. Certainly, when Paul came to know the Lord, he said, I am the chief of what? Sinners. He recognized in coming to Christ all that he had been doing and going against the things of Christ in his previous years. <clears throat> Having Christians killed, hauling them off to prison, could he change that? Can you go back and change everything that you did? Someone said to me once, Oh, Pastor, I seem to put foot in mouth. Did any of you put foot in mouth? Be honest, come on. Get your hands up. You can't always take it back, can you? But you can go forward. You can learn something from that. Paul said, I'm not going to expend all my energies and going back and wishing this and wishing that I wouldn't have and wishing that. But he went forward and knowing this day I have and this day I can serve the Lord. And each day that he gives me that I can plant my feet on the floor and push up each morning, I will serve the Lord. Is that where your focus is? I would visit people in the hospitals and nursing homes. That's part of pastoral duties. And I was with some of them that could never move out of their bed lest the AIDS help them. But they still served the Lord. They would tell the nurses and the aides and those that would come in and clean their rooms, they were still telling them about Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm focusing on a prize. And that prize is having attained. To live faithful and to bring people to Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, and not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. Are you looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ? I want to ask you a question, very sincerely. We talk to people, generally daily. We talk about weather. We talk about sports. We talk about the stock market. We talk about this and we talk about that and what we saw in the news. I'm going to challenge you. How long has it been since you've talked, even to another Christian brother or sister, about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Be honest. Has it been a while? We get our focus out of whack, don't we? Why shouldn't we be talking about the return of the Lord? Why shouldn't we be looking to that glorious day? When we keep that before us, it helps us to keep our focus and to live each day in the power and the strength and for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The third point I want to share with you, that's our final one. Paul focused in on people. First and foremost, the Lord Jesus Christ, our first one. But he focused in on people. Look at verses 15 and 16 of Philippians 3. Let us therefore as many as be perfect or complete. Be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. If we went back and were to read verses 4 through 14, we would see that Paul was focused on his life. In verse 15, he shifts to the plural. Let us. He also focuses on others. He wanted those to get the drift of what he was sharing and teaching. It's one thing as messengers when we share the word. But what a joy when we get to see that word shared active in the lives of people. Amen? Amen. Sometimes people would come out, I know oh, very often they meant it well. And I know you do too. And they'd say, Pastor, thank you for that message. Pastor, thank you for sharing the word. And that's encouraging. But what was even more encouraging when we'd see them living that word in and throughout their lives. How many of you have raised children? How many times did you tell them over and over and over something? And you sometimes deep down be discouraged. I tell them, I show them but they just don't seem to be there. And then it clicks. And then it comes. And deep down you're thinking, Lord, thank you. I was only the messenger, but you did the work in their lives. Oh, by the way, did I ever have that with Tim? Tim was our straight arrow. And thank God so are the two other of his siblings. But yes, we all had times. We've all had those moments in our life that Oh, what more can we do? You know what a teacher says to his students? I can teach you, but I can't learn you. Good one, isn't it? I had a few teachers in the congregation at Lansing Avenue Baptist Church, and they taught in the Christian school, and I heard him one time, the one teacher say, as he was teaching Sunday school class, I can teach you, but I can't learn you. And the Lord is doing that with us too, in and through his word. Folks, we must remain focused on the task that is before us. Many, many matters in life are important, I understand. But none are as important as focusing on and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you focused 
in your life totally and wholly on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is everything you think and do to live for Jesus Christ? To keep your focus on him. Don't let the world alert you. Don't let the things of life pull you away. I know they're real and they're there. But God, through his infinite grace and mercy and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, if you're born again, can help you to stay focused on the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned our children. Our youngest one, Dan, who's Tim's one sibling, was a basketball player in his high school years. He started from 10th grade on on the varsity team. Dan is a big fellow as far as height and tall and I think around six foot two and by eighth grade he was wearing a 13 shoe. One of the games we went to, as I was sitting, I heard the coach say, Dan, it's time to go in and start clearing out some things. The opposite team, and not because it wasn't our team, was fouling, was leaning heavy on the men under the back, getting away with almost some football moves instead of basketball. And Coach Stanton, a good Christian man, still is to this day, but he said, Dan, I need you to get under there and just start using your back, your butt, your shoulders, start moving them back so we can get some rebounds. And I just happened to be a couple rows up, and I heard him say that to Dan. So Dan went out. He started backing up. He started moving and clearing them out. But they still were hanging on him. Just, just hanging on him. Suddenly the ref blew a whistle. And Dan had the ball in his hand. And he slammed it down on the court. And it bounced right back up. And he walked over to near where the bench was where I was sitting. And I actually did this. Damn! Oh boy, he looked at me. Stay focused. He sat down, and I watched him put his head down a little bit. What I didn't want him to do was to lose his Christian composure and his Christian conduct on that court. When he got showered and got home, they lost that game. He said to me, Dad, thank you. I said, son, I didn't mean to embarrass you. I didn't see that many people getting upset. They knew what I meant. They were parents. I just said, Dan, stay focused. He said, Dan, you'll never know how that helped me to calm back down, not to play a hard game, but to keep his focus and his Christian testimony still above everything else. Maybe you need to this morning call out to the Lord and ask Him to help you to keep your focus fixed on Him. When you came into church this morning, I used to say it would be interesting to listen to every conversation that goes on in the automobile 
especially when there's children. But were you focusing on coming to church and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and singing hymns of praise? Or were you focused on everything else? Would you bow your heads? Father, first and foremost, we need to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, if we're honest with you, there are times that we lose that focus. And the devil catches us all guard. Leads us in the path of unrighteousness instead of righteousness. you're a Christian today, would you be willing to say, Lord, I've lost or am losing some of the focus. I need to admit that. I ask your forgiveness for that. I ask your empowering Holy Spirit to aid me to get back on course. Lord, right now, I desire to be more focused on you and to get my focus off these things. Maybe I'm worrying about things too much because I've focused on them so much that I'm not trusting. Instead, I'm worrying. I'm just not walking by faith. My focus has got dim. Oh, Lord, I need your strength. I need your power power from on high to get focus. Maybe there's someone in our midst today that has never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You'll begin to focus when you first come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn from a life that Christ has not been involved in. You've shut him out. You thought you could do everything on your own. Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here today, would you turn your focus on Jesus first and foremost to receive him as your Savior, to forgive you of your sins. He desires to have that fellowship with you and to indwell you with his Holy Spirit when you come to him. Lord, help us that we're transparent. Oh, we know you see and know all things, but ourselves to be willing to be transparent. In Jesus' name we pray.